Hello, beautiful people of New Jersey and elsewhere that are Devils fans. And if you are elsewhere and a Devils fan, then you qualify as well. So, welcome back to Garden State of Hockey. My name is Dan Roselle, and I'm back with John Fisher. Not that I ever really left John Fisher, but hey, John, how's it going? You know, I am flattered that you think I'm beautiful, Dan. <laughs> and let me tell you, flattery gets you everywhere. Exactly. And but more importantly than that, um, there were... This was an Oreo cookie of hockey in this past week. Mm. Or it's a reverse Oreo cookie. It depends on what your favorite part of the Oreo cookie is. By the way, do you know what's delicious, Dan? What's that? Oreo cookies. Well, yes. No question But there. we're not here to talk about <laughs> cookies. This is not the cookie state of hockey. This is the garden state of hockey. And so we shall talk about the New Jersey Gardens. Devils. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. Anyway, yes, we said last week that despite the Winnipeg game being played before we released the last podcast, we wanted to encompass this uh, Nightmare Canada trip that we all know and hate into just today's or this week's episode. So as you alluded to, it was a very sandwiched in week. So we had two Devils wins on the road. And they kind of hugged two pretty bad and embarrassing losses also on the road on this trip. But more importantly, it was weird thinking that after those two losses, they still took that trip three and two overall. And if you told yep. me going into those five games that they would leave a trip of Carolina, Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver at three and two, I would have taken that 10 times out of yep. 10. Absolutely. It's a successful trip. If you think back to last season when they had a, what, a nightmare, it was a longer trip and it was uh, further out, but uh, where they got ha housed every other night mm -hmm. on that trip. You know, three and two is big. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, given where the Devils entered the trip, three and two is not exactly a lot, but you're absolutely right. Ahead of the season, you would have looked at this and went, oh, three and two? Sure, I'll take it. And even, even going to the trip, hey, it's still six out of ten points. That's more than half. That's always a, su a success. Yeah, and then when they've made a hole this large to start the season, you know, with the blown leads, we've talked about it ad nauseum. But when they've done that, you got to just chip away any chance you get. And in a road mm -hmm. trip like this that was poised to be pretty much a kill point of the season, they managed to make something positive out of it and can take a lot of good things from the trip if they ignore those two games in Alberta. Well, the sad thing is that we can't ignore right. those two games in Alberta, partially because we cover everything at all about the Jersey and at the Garden State of Hockey. But more, just as importantly, you can't just look at only your successes. You have to be willing and strong enough to look at your failures to understand what went wrong, learn the lessons, and make adjustments going forward. Mm -hmm. For example, playing like you give a damn for a period. You might not get housed in that period. I know, it's amazing, Dan. It's shocking, truly. And yeah, exactly. In those two games against the Alberta teams, a period seemed like all they could muster. But let's get to that. Uh, let's yeah, take we'll these in chronological order. Sure. So we started off with a win here against Winnipeg. And the weirdest thing about that is that they actually won a shootout thanks to goals from, you guessed it, Jesper Boquist and Nikita Gusev. Oh, yeah. Two, well, Gusev is not his first attempt. But Boquist's first attempt in the shootout bangs it in off the post. That held up as the winner, a 2-1 victory where Mackenzie Blackwood played very well throughout the evening. Mm -hmm. He was great, and it was a far cry from when the defense just entirely collapsed in that first game against Winnipeg as well. But again, it was a matter of us talking about it here, maybe have some different guys shoot in the shootout, and they did. And, you know, while, yep. while Gusev didn't it wasn't his first time shooting. He was not usually the first person they turned to in their other shootouts that they lost. So it's good that he got an opportunity to show something despite, you know, the benching and some tough play, but he's really rounded out these last couple of games, at least. He's starting to show signs that he could play at this level, mm -hmm. at the NHL level, in terms of playing off the puck, playing defense, forechecking, all that other good stuff. What was also impressive was that he actually scored a goal. Because the other goaltender in that game was Connor Hellebuck, who actually is one of the best goaltenders in this young season so far. Mm -hmm. So the fact that the Devils' one goal against them was a rebound play that Hellebuck was not going to stop. Uh, you know, Hall went for a jam, puck squirted out, Heischer on the flank, boom, that's a goal. That that was it. Everything else Hellebuck saw, stopped, and made some very good saves on. So the fact that Gusev skated in and just five-holed him was rather shocking just because of all the times 
and all the other saves that he has made in that game in the previous 65 minutes, that was the one that beat him. Right. And, and you alluded to it, but Blackwood was also stellar that game. He really, Absolutely. like, that game, in the two wins that they had on this trip uh, after the Carolina game, he was fantastic both times. Absolutely. And that's very good because it's been apparent that Blackwood is the number one goaltender on this team. Mm-hmm. He has started in more games than Corey Schneider. He started four out of the five games on this trip. It's highly likely he's going to be the starter against Ottawa on Wednesday, and I wouldn't be. And obviously, he's going to start one of the two games at the end of the week against Pittsburgh and Montreal. Mm-hmm. But all, all, all told, he he is the guy. Yeah, and most crucially, Everybody he can make wanted... a save once in a while. Well, <laughs> if you pretend the Calgary game didn't exist, right? Well, he Calgary, as we know for Mackenzie Blackwood, if you want to just roll to that game, has been Absolutely. a absolute house of horrors for him because last year. Well, it wasn't... It wasn't nine goals against on, on Thursday night. Right. Okay, so it wasn't nine, so we've established the standard here. But uh, it definitely was not pretty. And I, I guess the teams, they actually had a lead in that game. And after maintaining that lead, after taking it on uh, the breakaway goal, uh, I believe that was, uh, who was it? It was Zaka? I will help you here. Okay. Jack Hughes. Okay. Scored the first goal after a wonderful pass from Taylor Hall and absolutely schooled David Riddich mm-hmm. by the right post. His, Riddich is right with a backhand, forehand, upper hand move to make it one nothing. It was glorious. And then later, later, Hughes pulls away with a two on one oh. with Nikita Gusev. Hughes sends the pass across to Gusev. Gusev finishes it. No issue for, for Riddich. Two one. You're, think, you're thinking good. You're thinking the big deal is putting a big mark on this game, and then the rest of the game happened. Yeah, so after that second goal, they completely sat back on their haunches. They got scored on multiple times in multiple ways. I mean, full disclosure, I didn't even bother with the second half of the third period of this game because they just looked so hapless after that second goal. I think they... Hey, the Devils didn't either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, why should we bother if they're not going to? And exactly. they just took that whole attitude into Edmonton and proceeded to, again, not put up any sort of effort whatsoever. Well, that's not necessarily true. Okay. I will say that the Devils played decently too well in the first period of both of those games. Mm-hmm. And between the two games, they scored all of one goal. Well... <laughs> And no matter how bad well, they got two, at least in team, Calgary, they got two in Calgary, but they unfortunately got zero in Edmonton. Yeah. And Nico Koskinen has been very hot this season. And a lot of the devils have, were taking a lot of uh, w- what I'm going to call one-offs in that they gain the zone. They take one attempt and one or one shot. And that's pretty much it because Edmonton cleans it up or Koskinen makes the save and holds onto it. Or the devils turn it over and they have to go scramble back against the fighting McDavid's. And the Devils did well to hold off the Edmonton McDavid's uh, for about almost half the game. And then Leon Dreisaitl cheated, got a breakaway pass. He scores. And then, you know, shot through his green, two. No, Damon Severson decides covering James Neal or lifting a stick was not something he needed to do. So Neal scored on a rebound, three. And then four was another deflection. Like, and as much as, as much stick as a, uh, Corey Schneider received in that game because he was the goaltender of record in Edmonton. It didn't matter if you had Blackwood in that game or Martin Brodeur from 1998 mm-hmm. because the devil scored zero goals in that game. <laughs> and unless you're going to galaxy brain us with the, uh, well, you know, the technical could win a zero, zero game through a shootout. Really? Against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, it's going to go zero, zero to a shootout. To quote Ed Lover. Come on, son. Don't give me that nonsense. If you're not going to score any goals, you're not going to win any games. And the end of that game was very much like the end of the Calgary game, where for the last 10 minutes or so, the Devils were just playing like it's it's March and they know they're not going to play beyond April. Mm-hmm. It was just sad. Yeah, I mean, very, very if you're hoping for a game that goes past regulation against the Oilers, you're going to have a very bad time. Not just in the shootout, but any sort of uh, smaller ice scenario, three on three, four v four, just because you give those guys any sort of room, it's basically over. But yeah, so after and it, it, oh, go ahead. And it was even worse than that then. Because there was a longer-term effect of that game. So in early in that game, Alex Chiasson, or Chison, mm-hmm. or Chia... Chason. Whatever. Chason, thank you. We'll go with that. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know if it was an accident or not, but he managed to get an elbow up on Sammy Vatnin's face yes. in the first period. And it was uncalled. Vatnin left the game at that point. So to a degree, you could say, all right, you don't like seeing Mirko Mueller all that much against Connor McDavid, but down to five defensemen, you kind of don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. And as the Devils played the majority of that game without Vatnin, and he has not since returned to the ice, as I understand it. He did not. He obviously did not play in Vancouver. I don't think he skated today. We're recording on Monday, by the way. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he'll even be in the Ottawa game. And that's a big blow because Vatnin has actually been one of the better defenders on the Devils this season. And just in general, losing any of your regulars is always a big blow to your team. Mm-hmm. Especially a power play one regular. Well, in theory, you, you have multiple guys who could fill that in role. In theory, so. but in practice, they had one. <laughs> well, that well, that's a coaching issue, but well. never mind. <laughs> but, but that's the point. Like, So it's not enough that you got shut out by Edmonton and you look like you didn't learn anything from the previous game against Calgary in doing so, but you lose a player. So so whatever goodwill you built up from the Winnipeg win and the Carolina win, that was already down the tubes at that point. Mm-hmm. So that, that was the situation as the team headed to Vancouver for a rare afternoon game in British Columbia. And again, as they did in the first Brother Bowl, as dubbed by all the marketing material that exists in the NHL, apparently, and uh, those were the only two players that participated in this game, in the battle of Jack Hughes' team versus Quinn Hughes' team, Jack also took round two, as the Devils continued to absolutely dominate the Vancouver Canucks for almost no reason. It's (laughs) so bizarre that they've won 11 straight games against this team, And I don't really understand, but it's just one of those things that, you know, the Devils have against Winnipeg. They have against San Jose where something about playing this team and Vancouver just can't do it. So I'll take it. I'll take two wins against Vancouver in the season where everyone's kind of penciling them in as sneaky playoff contenders. But again, it was a tightly fought game. And I don't know if it's more of a symptom of Vancouver having the yips against the Devils, but the Devils probably played one of their best road games all the year. Yeah, I mean, you look at the five-on-five metrics and you look at the overall metrics and Vancouver has a lead. But keep in mind, Vancouver was playing from behind the entire game. Mm -hmm. Uh, You got another good performance out of Blackwood, much better than his performance against Calgary. It was very similar to how he played against Winnipeg. That was a plus. Uh, Despite having to suffer the Matt uh, Tennyson-Mirko-Mueller pairing, the the six defensemen all stayed healthy, so you didn't have to worry about a player lost in that respect. Uh, The Devils, after a really crummy first power play, uh, they got a second chance thanks to Jordy Ben and uh, Wayne Simmons made that count after Kyle Palmieri took some pain in front and Simmons scored a badly needed second goal of the season since he has been ju- almost a snake bit as Taylor Hall. We'll talk about him in a little bit. And then on the almost the very next shift, Severson claps a bomb. Jesper Bratt tips that bomb. Markstrom looks like he's been bombed and the crowd goes silent as the Devils are up to nothing in a matter of seconds. So the Devils gave themselves not just a lead, but gave themselves a little bit of a cushion. So when Brett, when uh, Brock Besser just sort of turned it up on a power play in the second period and torched uh, Blackwood with a shot, it wasn't game over, and the Devils held on dramatically for dear life to hold on to win, and they did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was very similar to the first Vancouver game in that it wasn't the greatest performance alone, but given the circumstances, you're on the road, you just come off two losses, you need to get this win because you badly need wins, and they got it. So job done. There were some there was some controversies in in the game that I think over time people will forget about unless they have long memories. But the Devils held on and got a very important two one win to end the trip at three and two and make people feel a little bit better going into a Wednesday night game against the surprisingly not so easy Ottawa Senators. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of thing where. You know, if you lose that game in Vancouver, you're coming back to home fans who greet you after a two and three road trip where they were already booing you when you were home. But now at least it was a positive trip. They get to come back and roll the momentum of a win into these home games because that's not even a luxury they got to do for the first homestand. Yeah. And and keep in mind, the schedule gets a little more compact, too. So, like, even though the the road trip itself was compact because you're playing what, four games in six days. But, you know, the rest of this week, you got three games and four nights. Next week, it's three games and five nights. Next week, it's, 
no back to backs, but you're going, you're playing on Thanksgiving in, in the uh, in Montreal of all places, in between two home games uh, for the last week of November. Like that's nine games over the next three ish weeks. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of game. So it's very important that you get your victories when you can, and uh, you hold on to win a, as well. So, but we need to talk about something about the trip as a whole, Dan. That that concerns me. Mm-hmm. So out of the out of the five games they played five games dan they got five goals with an empty netter against carolina all right you with me i'm with you they scored five goals in the rest of the road trip <laughs> non not and no the shootout goal the shootout they scored one against winnipeg's goaltender they yeah, didn't score yeah. two we have to recognize that that I'm, I'm very concerned about the offense and the biggest example of this is, is of course, the, ma- the the biggest name on the team, Taylor Hall. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, it's not like he hasn't been trying. Like against Vancouver, for example, he put up eight shots on net in that game. And these weren't like Miles Wood style, I'm just going to fire the puck from wherever because I'm Miles Wood and I don't really care. He had breakaways. He had shots off the wing. He had Markstrom, you know, going lateral. And it's not like Markstrom is a scrub of a goaltender. But you're Taylor Hall. You, you kind of have this hope that he's going to burn you on a couple of these. He even had a controversial play mm-hmm. in the third period after Hall was, first of all, he was tagged for embellishment, which at, live I thought that was kind of a weak call. But after seeing a replay of it now this morning, uh, I kind of see what the ref was, was looking at there. Kind of exploded into the corner after Pedersen bumped him from behind. But he comes out of the box. He gets a breakaway. Markstrom stops him, but then Alex Edler runs into Markstrom. The puck cut and the net goes off, but the puck is also loose, and then it crosses over the line before the whistle is blown. And so there's a whole bunch of people who think, oh, that should have been a goal. Rule 63.3 of the rule book is actually somewhat unclear. It actually says the referee may allow a goal, not shall allow a goal. And you have to understand that the pucks did stay out over the line until the net was way out. And the whistle was way blown. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the Devils won, so you're not super. I, I, I for one, don't really care that it wasn't given. Um, I, I felt that if it was given, I think Vancouver fans probably would have. Uh, well, you got to be careful about Vancouver fans. They they could riot at a drop of a hat oh, anytime something doesn't go their way. Uh, nevertheless, <laughs> you know. So the rest got to the rest got to protect himself. I get it. You know, it happens in other sports. But more seriously, though. I didn't think it was so clear cut as to say that Taylor Hall would have got one. But in a way, you kind of hope he did, because out of all the top 50 shooters in the league, he's the only guy who's shooting less than 4%. Like, this is a guy who's clearly putting in the effort, but he's not getting the results. And it's remarkably frustrating, especially since we know that they talk contract during the trip. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's clearly affecting him, right? So it's something that he expects to have more than two goals at this point in the season and he still leads the team in points despite that so he's been oh, yeah. you know a valuable passer on the power play he's had good vision still but something is happening where he's just snake bitten in finding the goal he's had breakaway after breakaway and th- this um call that you're talking about the controversy people were bringing up the Heischer goal against ottawa last year that was ruled a goal for continuation um This one was a little bit different situation. I can see where, you know, the net was dislodged, like you said, well before the puck crossed any sort of uh, line. So the play was dead. I I think that one would have been if that was called a goal on the ice, it would have been difficult to overturn, too. But it was called no goal. So I get where they're coming from. But, yeah, this guy, he's been robbed by Carter Hart, which is now a highlight on the NHL commercials like he he had a post against Edmonton, if I'm not mistaken. He hit like f- at least five posts this year. Yeah, and I, and I don't again. I know I'm highlighting Hall because you know he's Taylor Hall. You kind of expect him to score these goals, right? You expect more than two goals out of him. But the fact that if your top talent is only is is snake bit with goals, he hasn't he hasn't had a goal on this road trip, and he's enter. I think he is on a five game goalless streak now. I think he did score against Philadelphia on the first that was his second goal of the season Mm -hmm. but you notice that no one else has taken up the mantle and it and it's really i give blackwood a lot of credit here because he did play really well against winnipeg and vancouver but it is remarkably difficult in this league to say 
all right, you're only going to get two goals to support it, so do the best you can. Like, sometimes the other team just comes up with plays you can't do anything about. Mm -hmm. Or bad bounces happen, like shots off skates. Andy Green gets a touch on it, and it redirects it into your net by accident. It happens. But that's that, that right there is two goals. So congratulations. The game is almost at risk now because we have zero confidence of whether or not more goals are going to be coming. It's telling that the last time the Devils scored more than two goals in the game was against Carolina because they were going against James Reimer, who let me tell you how his season has been going, Dan. He gave up two goals in four seconds to Ottawa. <laughs> yeah. The two... He did something that hasn't happened only 10 times in the history of the NHL. I still don't like, I saw it happen. I saw the video of it and I really still have no idea how that managed to happen. I'll tell you how it happened. Carolina was sleeping at the wheel. <laughs> I'm mad about it, and I'm not even a Canes fan. <laughs> yeah. Canes fans are probably going to be booing the hell out of their team because, you know, since the Devils beat them on November 2nd, they lost to the Rangers, they lost to the Philadelphia, and they lost to Ottawa. They gave up four goals in each of those games. You know, they, they've, they've gone from challenging Washington for first in the division to, you know, hanging out in fifth place, you know, not in a wild card spot. Three losses can make a big difference in this division. That being said, getting back to the team that matters, the New Jersey Devils. I really hope that in the next games coming up, that the Devils are able to generate more offense and be able to finish more of these plays. Because you're not going to continue to get it done at 2-1, 2-1, 1-0, 1 through a shootout and get a shootout victory. Like You're going to need to be able to get some more goal support in a number of these games. I'm hopeful that against Ottawa you're able to get more than a two goals. Pittsburgh is a team that the Devils, for some inexplicable reason, has played very well against in recent years. And they likely won't have and, Crosby. And they likely won't have Crosby. So that's even more of an impetus to go out there and get yourself some goals against a team that you have zero expectations of what they're going to look like. And the game in Montreal is a game in Montreal. Like, you know, Montreal isn't terrible this year. So my the, my point is, is that if there's a concern coming out of the trip at 3-2, and two, it's the fact that yeah, the team really hasn't scored a lot of goals and it needs their goaltender to be amazing to have a chance at getting points out of the game. I'd like to help Blackwood and, to a lesser extent, Schneider, because he's not going to play as often, um, help them out by getting some goal support. You know, this and and if it comes, you know, Hall is obvious your obvious marker here because he's firing away so much that event you got to hope he's eventually going to score. But I'd like to see more contributions from the Simmonses and the Brats and the. Uh, the Zaka. I mean, Wood puts up a bunch of shots against Wood. some breakaways every game, and he his shooting percentage is also abysmal. Well, the thing is, Wood has never had a good shot, and there, there's a reason why he's been a bottom six player. Well, no, but it's a it's better than like like he still managed to put up what close to twenty goals. He got to twenty goals a couple years back, and I, yeah, I think a with, couple years back <laughs> with the volume that he has, he should be like at least one or two goals more than he has now. He's also had some. Uh, tough luck moments with the puck okay fair but the larger point remains is that the devils as a whole could be doing better at finishing and the best unfortunately the best solution for this is to keep firing away and you know that also means not giving up 40 shots like you did against calgary or against vancouver for example you know only five shots in that third period yeah i know you're defending a 2-1 lead but you gotta you gotta do something to make the other team respect you yeah, and it's crucial to find that scoring touch now because, as you alluded to, they only play one more game this month against a Western Conference team. These are teams that are going to be right in the mix of where the Devils, you know, they they hope to be. If they're going to be in playoff contention at all this year, they have to be beating teams like the Red Wings, the Rangers, and competing well against the Canadians. Listen, I'll give the, the Bruins... And marginally, the Penguins kind of... I wouldn't marginally give the... No, I'm not giving marginal respect to the Penguins. Okay, it's fine. But the Bruins, for sure. <laughs> the, like, I don't yeah, expect fine. to take points in that yeah, game. Yeah, I'm expecting... The, I'm, I am I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer here, Dan, but as a hockey blogger, you got to be realistic at times. And I'm not predicting a W on the 19th against Boston. Yeah, I mean... I think that's going to be an L. Their, their top scorer almost has as many goals as the entire team combined. I mean, that's not true, but it exactly. feels that way. That's... Well, it's not that far off, actually. Their top three guys, I think, have almost as many goals as the Devils. I can believe it. <laughs> and regardless, again, the schedule looks Senators, Penguins, Canadians, you know, Penguins twice, Canadians twice, Rangers in there, Red Wings. Like These are games, even the Western Conference game they have is against Minnesota. These are games that you have to show up in. Like, 
taking this first homestand, I guess the Oilers are better than everyone was giving them credit for at the beginning of the year. The Flyers have been on fire recently, and even the Coyotes are respectable, but they still lost a game against the Lightning in a time where they weren't good. The Panthers, that yep. was easily winnable. Like They made those mistakes earlier. Now they have to capitalize on what is being essentially gifted to them for the rest of this month. The games are close yeah. together, but the opponents are not really the toughest run of opponents you can get. So before you get that run later in the year, you have to bank the points here. And it could not be more crucial as we're getting report after report on Taylor Hall's demeanor and contract extension status. So I want to kind of take a break right here before we move on to what is obviously the elephant in the room. So uh, is there anything else just to add to the game recap or should we take a pause? Sure. I will I will end this on the positive note there. Mm-hmm. If the Devils play like they did in the first two periods in Vancouver, and if they play as well as they did in Winnipeg and they played as well as they did in Carolina, I feel I would feel more encouraged about the team going forward. However, what that means is, and to your point, is that the Devils don't have the margin of error of having nights like they did against Calgary and Edmonton where, yeah, you could say it wasn't your night, but you can't just – you know, give up on the third period in what could be a game to salvage. Whereas every other game you've played in, the other team doesn't look at a two, three, four goal lead by the Devils and goes, well, that's game. They clearly have made a comeback. So it's time for the Devils to, you know, stop feeling sorry for themselves, show some leadership in the back, show it from Andy Green, show it from the Halls, show it from other others, show it from the coaches, and get out there and try to make something of it. Because honestly, that's the situation they put themselves in. But the good news is, some of the performances from the road are good, like legitimately good. So if you're looking for something to build on, that's what you got to build on. All right. Yeah. And with that, we'll take a short pause and come back to answer some of your questions as well as go into all this latest drama that I know has fans feeling uneasy. So let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right. Welcome back. And again, the news of the week, really, it's been trailing them everywhere they've gone is that Jack Hughes signed a contract with Gatorade to have an endorsement deal. And I'm trolling you here, but of course the news of it is a big deal. It is a big deal because he's the big deal, but, uh, and no devil's player has had that kind of sponsorship before that I can remember, at least with Gatorade. No, No, and definitely not with a big brand in America like Gatorade. I'm sure there have been, I'm sure Martin Bredor has done stuff in Quebec. That was a big deal there or in Canada. Well, not as enterprise. But yeah, but that's after his career is my point. Like as a player, you know, yeah, investment bank, pure hockey. You know, (laughs) I'm not I'm not dissing on pure hockey here on on Route 46, but they're very specific. They're very specific. Gatorade is a serious company for sports athletics and sports marketing. And the fact that they are signing up Jack Hughes now, they're not waiting to see what he does this season. They're not waiting for him to get the accolades or hit a level of points or do something crazy, amazing, and viral on the internet. No, they're saying, we want the big deal now. And it's a it's a safe bet for them because they've done because they have a career of doing this before players become, well, big deals in their respective sports. Right. So it's definitely another sign that this guy is the big deal. Yeah, he joins the number one overall pick in the NBA who has not played a game yet, Zion Williamson, uh, in that same young Gatorade athletes campaign. So good for the big deal, Jack Hughes, because he may have a lot more responsibility on his shoulders moving forward with this Devils team as we get to the actual news item uh, that's been following everyone around and as we anticipated would follow everyone around while the Devils were in Canada. And that is that that vaunted meeting between Darren Ferris and and Ray Shiro apparently happened, and Elliot Friedman seems to believe that that end result was that the Devils now believe that it's very unlikely that Hall signs an extension to stay with New Jersey during the season. Does this put an end to his time in New Jersey overall? Not necessarily, but it's not looking great. Well, I could have told you that this was very unlikely, because I have literally written about this on all about the jersey not that long ago. When I wrote about his porch start of the season, I noted that it's not in his best interest to sign an extension because if he goes on and has a better season, the shooting percentage reverts back to form. He scores a whole bunch more goals. The team wins more games. Everybody's more happy with Taylor Hall and all the brilliant points he's getting. He's going to cash in on that. 
If he signed an extension now, he doesn't get that opportunity. And if he's really seeking out the big contract, that could very well be one of the last contracts he ever signs in the NHL. It would certainly be the last con- last significant contract he would sign in the NHL. So he, it's not in his best interest to, to cash out now. It's in his best interest to cash out in June. Now, to your point, he could stay with the Devils. This could be one giant wait-and-see approach. Um, but I can understand and empathize with the fans who are uh, – you know what? Let's go to the fans, Dan. Well, hold on. Before I, that, we just I just want to mention that his yeah. agent we knew going into this was the one that made this entire city of Toronto crap themselves over Mitch Marner all summer as he extended True. that negotiation too. So this is not like a new thing for Darren Ferris, but it is a thing where – it's clearer to see the writing on the wall when the Devils are bad. If this was happening and the Devils were doing pretty well, I'd be a little bit more confused but a little more reassured by it. But this is like, okay, this is understandable. I know why he wants to wait despite the fact, you know, despite who his agent is and what his usual MO is. Right, and this has led to more – but the confusion definitely has set in for a lot of fans as more and more fans have resorted to – the concept or whether it's acceptance or even outright desire of trading Taylor Hall now, getting something in terms of assets for him, and then moving on with your life instead of, you know, ban- you know banking your entire near future on whether or not one player wants to sign with you or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to read off. So just to take a step back here. So I asked on Twitter. I told I went to the people who matter, Dan. Mm-hmm. I told them that we were recording an episode of Garden State of Hockey today, and I said – what do you want us to talk about? And I have three comments here. Well, I got four co- four responses, and three of them are about this very subject, about this very player in this very situation that we are dealing with in today's day and age. And that is, of course, the Taylor Hall contract situation. So I'm going to read out three. There, there are three different takes here, but they, they kind of sum up where the fan base is at here. So I'm going to read them off here. And because I'm a hockey blogger, I'm just going to confidently pretend I know how to pronounce all this. Anyway. Uh, the first one is from a guy who calls himself Meshuga about sugar. Okay. okay. Uh, uh, I hope his blood sugar levels are of appropriate levels. He's not that Meshuga about it, <laughs> regardless. Uh, he states, I am interested in a discussion about Hall's extension at this point and your takes on it, which we're giving. So job done. Uh, I like and appreciate Hall, but I'm afraid that around $10 million for eight years would turn out to be a bad contract. Wouldn't getting assets for Hall via trade be much more beneficial long term? Similar to that, a guy who calls himself Earth One Gary, as opposed to Earth Two Gary, Earth Three Gary. How many Earths are there, uh, Dan? I mean, it depends which show you ask, but yeah. Okay, (laughs) well, E1G here says, relating to Hall, is it weird that I won't be that upset if he gets moved for a decent return? I get the sense he doesn't want to be here anyway, and the whole nonsense with the booing and the calling out of fans. And third, from Turica Mutz, who is from Sweet... I'm sorry, he is from... uh, Well, he's in New Jersey, but he supports SC Zurich. So I assume... I almost wrongly assumed he was Swiss, Mm -hmm. because... Uh, I, I, there's a lot of European soccer fans in, in you know the New York, New Jersey area, but very few of them pick a Swiss team. Right, but, right. hey, whatever. Uh, he states, we thought the Devils had the best offseason, but the first game shows lots of, quote, work in progress. That's an understatement. What do you think is the real potential of this team? If Hall leaves, are we, quote, rebuilding again? So that's sort of like where the fan base is in those three tweets, is that you got somebody who's thinking about it, Somebody who's kind of resigned themselves to trading Hall, and then someone who's more who's really getting to the bigger concern of if Hall goes, whether that's by trade or by free agency, are the Devils going back to square one? Yeah, I think these are all pretty valid. Like you said, it's pretty all-encompassing, and it's natural to ask the question of do they even want to extend him? Um, given the cost and the market value and whatever. One thing I do want to address is that aspect of the second question that said if they can fetch a nice return. And I I want to make sure people have reasonable expectations about this because they're thinking that Colorado, which is the popular team with the Rontanen injury and the Landeskog injuries right now, you know, they're the popular team in the rumors to make that trade. And once I saw it pop up on my NHL trade rumors, I knew there was nothing in the works at all. But yeah, good good reasoning. Yeah, and it makes sense as a fit from a personnel perspective. But you have to consider the fact that they they're not going to pry someone away like a Byram unless they know, unless Colorado knows that Hall is going to resign there, which doesn't seem like it's going to be a thing with any team that he goes to. 
And keep in mind, Byram is not just one of their top prospects. He was, what, fourth overall in this past draft? Fourth overall, they in, love him. In a very deep first-round draft. Like, they didn't look at, you know, the. I'm sure they looked at the other forwards, but they said, no, we want the defenseman who dominated the WHL along with Ty Smith. That's who we want. So I don't think Colorado is going to give that up. There's no especially chance. Knowing, yeah, there's especially knowing that if Taylor Hall is truly on the market, the Devils aren't going to have the leverage to pull away Byron, much less Byron in a first, unless Colorado found out that Byron doesn't want to play hockey anymore and wants to join the priesthood. Right. I mean, or something ridiculous on that level. Uh, it's just not going to happen. So, yeah, like temper the expectations here because there's two very different trades that could happen. There's the more likely one that involves sending him as a rental to a team that's more of a contender, which, again, will probably not happen until closer to the deadline when teams have their priorities in order when they know how they've been playing. Like you could have pulled the trigger early if you're Buffalo and start 8-1-1 and and then they lose the next five. So once that kind of settles down, they'll know if they're truly a contender or not, then you get a potentially very different pool of teams but the price you're going to fetch for a rental even if it is taylor hall is not going to be anywhere near the price you could get if he also agrees to a contract but it's likely that he wouldn't agree to a contract extension anywhere having a not played there and b working with darren ferris who notoriously won't deal with that stuff in season and not only that Ted, i'm right right now i'm at cap friendly one of the nice features about capfriendly.com is that they have a running list of not only projected cap space for every team that gets updated every day, but also current cap space. Because one of the things that you – and I'll admit to this – that I take for granted is that cap space is not something that gets at once a year. It, it gets impacted every day because mm-hmm. players are paid every day. So as of right now, only a handful – well, not a handful, but eight teams in the league can handle Taylor Hall's current contract, which is roughly $6 million. Mm-hmm. The Devils are one of them, obviously. Uh, they have $6 million in cash space. Here are the other seven teams that could, in theory, take on the rest of his contract. Because mm-hmm. Nashville only has $3.9 million in cash space, and I don't think Hall has uh, played long enough to have his contract go down to three point nine yet. Mm-hmm. So those other teams are Los Angeles. He ain't going to Los Angeles. The Islanders, but the Islanders are so hot right now, and they're actually getting guys back healthy. So they're not going to turn around and say, oh, no, we need the, the next piece here because, you know, they, they've only lost one regulation game in the last five weeks, you know, they're, they're not looking for, you know, upgrades at the moment. Ottawa, let's be real. Ottawa doesn't want to pay Taylor Hall and they don't even have any roster room for it. He, they're at 23 at 23 right now. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets, even though they're going to need the cap space if Dustin Bufflin wants to come back. So don't rule them out. Colorado, again, is probably one of the few teams on this list that's actually could contend for a playoff spot. But to your point, they have guys who are injured, and they're going to come back at some point. They don't need a Taylor Hall nearly that badly, unless they for, for, unless ownership comes comes knocking and saying, you know, Taylor Hall is going to be the guy who puts us over the top. Mm-hmm. But even then, they're not, they're going to make that call in February. They're not going to make that call in November. Definitely not on November eleventh. The other the other two teams are Montreal and Columbus. Columbus has the most cap space in the league by far, and but they're tapped out at twenty three over twenty three. So somebody's got to be removed from the roster and more importantly columbus is fading columbus is fading fast there i don't they they if the devils want to hate taylor hall they could dump him on columbus and say congratulations you're going to not sign there anyway because columbus ain't going to do anything next season either um so montreal is really the only team that i guess hall could conceivably see as a contender and move back but if he doesn't like the you know fans calling him out for booing him in, in new jersey what do you think is going to happen when Montreal hits a rough patch and he has a goalless streak going? Well, no, exactly. It's it's something that Montreal's going to eat him alive. It doesn't get any leeway whatsoever. And again, like if you're talking about these teams that can take him on, if other teams send back some salary in exchange, then there could be some more options. But that's my point. It's these teams that you mentioned here, very few of them would be in a potential pool for Taylor Hall, and he'd be much more in demand as we get later in the season and the field levels out, whether they have the room exactly. or not. Exactly. And and the teams that, in theory, could go over the top with Hall really don't need him at the moment. Like, the Islanders don't need help at the moment. They need help. Avalanche needs Ratnan back healthy. They don't need Taylor Hall. Winnipeg needs to figure out the Bufflin situation and then figure out how, you know who's going to play in the middle of their lineup. They don't need Taylor Hall. Like, 
So they're not going to come knocking on Ray Shero's door and saying, hey, we want to offer you a first round draft pick and uh, and a top prospect and we'll, we'll call it we'll call it a, a deal here. No, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. The, the interested teams should be they should manifest themselves probably more so in the offseason, even if they hold on to him past that. Now, it's not an ideal scenario because then the rest of the league knows that the Devils pretty much have to trade him or risk losing him for free. But that team, it would be valuable to get a first crack at negotiations as well. I don't know how much you can trade that for, but it can be an example of Pacioretty getting traded and then immediately signing his extension, bringing back a value that, you know, for where he was at at the time, it seemed like a lot of pieces to move for him. Obviously, he's been doing pretty well in Vegas, but it's still, you know, Montreal got a pretty nice return for him and they did it in the off season. Now, this was yeah. with one, I think this was with one year left or was he a UFA after that? I don't remember, but I, I am checking at the moment here. Mm-hmm. Give me a sec here. Well, you know, while you do that, regardless, it it just doesn't make sense to, like, I don't know what they're going to pull for him right now because there's no guarantee he'll resign with wherever team, whichever team he goes to. There's not too many contract-based fits, and if people think that they're getting, like, a stud prospect and a first-rounder for him, they are sorely mistaken. This is not a position of strength the Devils are dealing with. Right, and and here is the trade. If anything, Montreal paid out more for this. Mm-hmm. So they sent Max Pacioretty to Vegas for Thomas Tatar and his contract, Nick Suzuki, who was one of Vegas's top prospects, and a second round and, and, and the 2019 second round pick that turned out to be Samuel Fajimo, who is a uh, overager, not a bad prospect, just older. And mind you, there was some salary retained on both sides. Tatar had 500 grand retained. Max had 10, uh, a little less than that retained. So, I mean, but that was also a deal out of necessity because Patrietti made it clear he wasn't going to resign in Montreal. Mm-hmm. And as you said, that was that deal was made on September 10th. So that's an off-season deal. Right. That was a deal that was made for training camp would begin. So to to your point, yeah, the 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 more lucrative deals may not come around until closer to the draft than what you're going to get in November. Mm-hmm. And especially but, since you know they're not even 20 games into the season. Now, five wins in, what, it's 16 games right now is not an ideal yeah. place to be, but it's also not so far back that they're already completely buried in the standings. Well, no, not yet. They they But they got to w- start winning now. Yeah, but, they gotta start winning. but I'm saying and, like they're and, still and, not at the point where they're like in single-digit points. Like th- that's a different story. No, no, but the point is, is that Hall, if Hall's going to try to make a lot of money here, and let's be real, he's probably going to make a lot of money regardless. But if he wants to make the big dollars, it would really be to his benefit if he was leading the charge up the standings. Right. Like he owns that five, seven and four record as much as anyone else on the team. And don't think that the other teams in the NHL don't know that. And going back to the other question that uh, Meshuggah had, you know, I don't think a lot of teams would look at Hall's season so far and say, you know what, this guy's getting older and he's coming off knee surgery. I want to give this man eight figures. Right. Given given what he has done so far. If the, if he had more goals, way more points, if the Devils were hanging with Pittsburgh, uh, you know, uh, hanging with Pittsburgh in the wild card spot at the moment or hanging near it like Buffalo and Carolina is, okay, you can start making a case that, all right, he could really be this $10 million player. But the point is, is that he hasn't played like that and he hasn't produced like that. So to Meshuggah's point, why should the Devils want to pay that much money for him? And just as importantly, why would any other team do that? Just because he's Taylor Hall and you're going to delude yourself into thinking that as he gets older, he's going to figure it out. Like he's already had his prime. He had his heart. He's not going to do it again. Think about what happens to Colorado if they also add Taylor Hall to the books, given the fact that they somehow managed to get Nate McKinnon on a pretty friendly deal it's essentially similar money to what Taylor Hall gets paid now, except his contract's up in 2023. But if they sign Hall for an extended period of time, they're going to have his contract on the books. They already have the Ronson and deal. They're going to have to pay Maker by that point. They, yep. you know, they'll introduce Byram at some point as well. So do they want that money on the books when Nate McKinnon's contract discussion comes up? Because that guy is going to make so much money. And, no, and don't forget the other deals that they have in the book. Samuel Girard get his he extends to five million dollars next season for the next six seasons. You got 
Donskoy and Comfort making over three million each. You got Kadri who signed for four point five to till twenty twenty two. Ian Cole is going to make four point two five million dollars next year, but his contract will then expire. The point is, is that your absolutely your larger point is absolutely correct. There's a potential crunch coming up here. So adding Taylor Hall, it looks it it'll fit now, but it may not fit in two years. And if Taylor Hall, you know, if Father Time starts winning that battle early against Taylor Hall. That's going to be a really ugly bet to Meshuggah's point here. Yeah, and the the main reason to bring him back, I would say, is familiarity with the organization and the fact that he is currently leading. I mean, he's the Devils' points leader. He's arguably been most involved the, in their offense. He's, he's the team star. He's been— He's the star of the team. Right, and I would say that, you know, having this year with all these new faces lets them build some chemistry with him as well. So maybe— I, the players will get better playing alongside him. That's just what he does to most of the lines that he's played with during his time in Jersey. Now, there have been some real anchor, anchors he's been saddled with, but for the most part, they seem to have found something good between him and Palmieri and Hughes and some combination of Hughes and Heischer generally. And yeah. it's this familiarity with the team and the area and his status as a veteran that you know, to me, if the money's right, then I don't see why not, especially because the Devils have already locked down Heischer and they don't really have too many other egregious commitments right now with the big albatross no. being Corey Schneider's $6 million. Yeah, but even that's not that big because, one, that contract runs for just two more years, and two, um, you know, the Devils, even with all these deals, they literally have – they have over six million dollars in cap space. They have some of the large. They're, they're one of the eight teams, as I mentioned, that has over six million dollars in cap space. So I mean, Simmons the bigger concern... five comes off the books at the end of this year. Like it, it's it's yeah. not going to be difficult yeah. for them to get him the amount of money that he likely wants. No, but no, th- but but here's the thing. Yeah. But here's the thing. Heisher's extension comes in next season. Mm-hmm. But the bigger issue is the big deal. Right. He's his ELC is now. Now is the window to get the most out of Jack Hughes before he he wants an extension. And while that's in 2022, you know full well that's not going to be a cheap extension because mm-hmm. the big deal gets big money. And he's going to command big money. So I want to twist this to Turicum's question is, let's say Hall leaves. Let's say the devil say, you know what? Hall doesn't really want to stay. He doesn't want to get an extension. We'll trade him for something or we'll let him or even let him walk. Are the devils back to rebuilding? In your opinion, Dan, it's okay. I don't. I don't want to. I have an opinion, but I want to hear yours first. I don't want to give the you know the answer of well, if the Islanders could compete without Tavares and the Devils can compete without Hall, but I'm kind of gonna throw that because without the Hall money being on the books for next year, they have a lot to work with, and generally we know that ratio doesn't work with a lot of big free agent signings. However, the reason they got PK Subban was because they had all that cap space and they were the ones willing to take on that contract. So I think they can find a way to compete next year. But again, that depends on how they look the rest of the year this year too. I need to know that the core they have in place is something that can remain competitive without Hall. But just given the names and given the talent level that I believe that they have, I think they can, they don't have to go through a full rebuild again. They got their two number one overalls or two recent number one overalls. They can build around two centers. Teams have done that before to Mm -hmm. great success. So I don't think this necessarily sets them back in the way they were set back when Lou was signing, you know, Steve Bernier and Steven Gianta to contracts year after year. But it's, it definitely is not a desirable position, but we saw, we saw a very different version of what life was like without Hall in last year's team. And it wasn't good, but that's the reason this team looks completely different because they know they needed that supplement. So I don't think this would set them back a couple of years. I think, maybe they would need one or two years to find their footing. Well, I will agree that because of Hughes and because of Heischer, it's not going to be a big drop-off. I will say left wing will become pretty weak because after Hall, your current left wingers are right now some combination of Blake Coleman, Pavel Zaka, Miles Wood, maybe Jesper Volkvist when he's in the lineup. Um, in theory, you could put Gusev and Brad on the left side. It's not a very strong left side. But to be fair, after Hall, it wasn't a very strong left side either. Mm-hmm. 
and, and that's the other point. I'm glad you brought up last season as well, because the Hall was scoring at a point per game rate last season, and yet the team was in dead last by the time he was injured. So it begs the question of how important is it really that he's around? So to, to answer the question, I don't think the Devils are going to be back to rebuilding per se. I will think that Cher would absolutely have to you know, find an answer somewhere. He'll have to make a swing a big deal or, God forbid, you know, spend some money in free agency uh, on a big deal and, and take a swing there. But I do believe that if the big since the big deal is going to be the big deal and he sure is an excellent player i think the devils can get around that um this summer is going to be a very odd one just for the rfas alone because yeah he sure sorted out but you got to pay brat you got to play blackwood you got to pay uh they did pay butcher which is good they already paid butcher that's right they did take care of butcher but that was last year mm. um they got to figure out eventually for the futures of you know joe anderson brett Cini, uh, a couple of minor league guys. But the point is, is that, you know, if, if Jesper Bratt wants to step it up anytime soon, you know, that would be highly appreciated. I'm sure his agent has let him know. But more seriously, you know, is, is it a setback? Yes. Is it going to set you back to where you were back in 2015 or 2016? No. But, uh, you know, there's no that, that's the unfortunate situation that we're in. Dan. It's not there's no clear cut answer because just when you think trade, trade, trade. Then you start realizing, ah, eh, the trades aren't going to be that great. And then you think, don't let them walk. But then you think, well, but if there's a chance to sign them or trade them later, you got to take your time. Uh, I don't envy Shero in this situation. And I have a suspicion he already has in mind what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. And we're just, and you and I are just going to, you know, just like any other fan, you know, is just talking it out, hoping that we guess it right. But uh, I wouldn't surprise me if Shero's got like a dead stop date in his mind that says, all right, if we're still bad by this point of the season and hall is still complaining about something let, let's let's make a deal mm-hmm. i i wouldn't be surprised if that's the current mindset i have i base that on absolutely nothing but no but what's like an arbitrary this. point for you to decide that i i think a you know with this next stretch of games thanksgiving what have you so on and so forth i think if they're looking to evaluate it's got to be christmas if they're significantly out of the playoff picture by christmas then i can see him kind of start to pull some strings and um you know seriously consider more offers but at this point like it it's probably not going to be something that is worth writing home about in terms of what people think that hall will fetch i mean we've talked about why that is but if it gets to the point where it's summer and it's very abundantly clear that he has no interest in re-signing, then it's worth moving him for literally anything. You want to get some kind of asset out of this. Yeah. And so it, it's a tough question for sure. It's a, it's a weird situation, and I can sympathize with Islanders fans who were going through this with John Tavares. But again, look how they turned out. They got the new young stud, Matt Barzell, and he played with Tavares for a year before he left. The draw of the young star was not enough to keep him from home, and I don't know if Hall's going to be racing home to Calgary, but wherever he goes, I I think there are ways to construct a team and maybe get a coach that can get the most out of a roster that doesn't have that one-star focal point, or maybe their star is particularly young and still growing in the league but has enough talent to hold his own am i saying that hughes is going to have a barzell like season no but it's not out of the realm of possibility and it's also not like it's not like he's going anywhere for a long time okay yes so we've definitely gone at full length with this so if you want to what's the other fourth question you got that wasn't taylor hall related okay all right so, question from Vinny Kanichi. Mm-hmm. What do we do with Schneider at this point? <laughs> I have an opinion, but I want to hear yours first, Dan. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh boy. Um, well, the buyout's always looming. Yeah, they'll have dead cap space, but at the very least, they won't... It, it just feels like whenever he's in net... And it's so disappointing after his second half last year, but whenever he's a net, it just feels like an automatic loss, whether it's his fault or not. I don't know what it is right. about the team in front of him when he's back there, but there's a general lack of confidence, I'd say. 
Well, Dan, you know, this team has blown leads of all types so far this season and has been bad in other road games. So it's possible the team's not very good to begin with. It's true, but it does feel you know, less likely. Coach thing might have a play in that. <laughs> they, they does feel like they're just less likely to win with him in goal than Blackwood, given everything we've seen over the calendar year of 2019. Now, Fair. there's not much you can do. That's the issue. Besides, oh, yes, there is. you can buy him Apparently. out. You can try to oh. hold on to him until Seattle has their expansion draft and send him that way. Um, you, I mean, what else Here, What else can you do? Well, the Devils have already made the, the most important decision they had to make. Who's number they one? They established who's number one, mm-hmm. and it's Blackwood. Because as I mentioned earlier in this show, Blackwood played four out of the five games on this trip. And on top of that, he played the Carolina game after playing and losing to Philadelphia the night before. So that in of itself is a massive tell. And even before then, when the Devils had their big, long break, they decided, you know what? Blackwood may be just getting over the flu. He may not be fully healthy. Let's start him anyway over Arizona. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he, he was terrible, partially because he wasn't 100%. The fact that they decided to go with him even though they knew he may have not been 100%, but they still went to start him, should give you a tell on who do they think the number one actually is. Right. Right. And to that end, that's all, you know, that's the most you can do. Because Schneider not only has a, I don't know, he has a significant contract. It's not unmovable six if you retain salary. And, but the bigger concern is that he's got a no trade clause. Mm-hmm. And worse off for the Devils is that they don't have a guy who can immediately be called up to replace him. Because, surprise, surprise, everybody, Louis Domingue is not a good goaltender. Mm. <laughs> this may surprise you, but somebody who can't get a 90% save percentage in the AHL is not better than Corey Schneider or Mackenzie Blackwood, no matter how different the percentages look. Because guess what? The AHL is a worse league than the NHL. That's like saying... Wow, this pitcher is getting shelled in the in Major League Baseball. I'll call up this Triple A guy who's been shelled only slightly less. <laughs> no, it's he, he's setting himself up to failure. So Domingue is not really the answer. He's literally there as coverage because Gillis Sen and Evan Corbier are not the answers just yet either in pro hockey. The Devils' goaltending uh, depth is actually really weak and really lacking in confidence because as well as Black, Blackwood has played against Winnipeg and uh, Vancouver, and to a, de- to a degree, the Carolina game, he does have nights where he'll get shelled a lot in Calgary and, you know, gets gives up a whole bunch of goals, and then it's like, well, what's the difference between that and Schneider to begin with? Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, Blackwood is one of the youngest goaltenders in the NHL yeah, at 22. That being said, it's he's you're still rolling the die on terms of who he really is as a goaltender, and goaltending by its nature is a highly, highly... Uh, highly influenced by variation. You know, one guy gets hot, all of a sudden, whoa, he's amazing. Sign him for four years. Next, two months later, he he has a slump. Oh man, he's terrible. Buy him out. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, that's that could be all the same goalie in the same year. Just ask the Philadelphia Flyers; they virtually feel it every season. Um, and you know, it's it's tough when you make a bad bet. So basically, getting back to the question here is that. The Devils, what they really need to do is just lean on the better goaltender right now. And right now, that's Mackenzie Blackwood. And that's all you can do at the moment because the trade market likely isn't going to be there for Schneider. Schneider probably isn't going to want to trade it, wave his no-trade clause. And more importantly, even if you do get him to trade Schneider now, the the options, unless you're getting a goaltender back, the options in return are hideous. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I mean, with Schneider specifically, like the, there's not much you can do with the contract situation he's in. And the only thing they can do for this season is, like you said, ride the hot hand. My, my point was less so there's nothing you can do with him except keep playing him this season. It's more, what are you going to do with that contract? Where are you going to put it? And really, you just have to ride it out until either he bounces back with some miracle elixir or his contract runs out. Exactly. Now, to be fair, let's let's be real here. There are a number of fans on All About the Jersey who, who seem to, even when Blackwood plays well, have to bring up Schneider. <laughs> and even after a win, they bring up Schneider. There's definitely a little bit more of a... Hinden, uh, you know, a, a, an attention to detail about uh, 
Schneider for whatever reason. But that's just the nature of the position, you know, just like in football, you know, team wins, but the quarterback is a guy that people don't like. So they always think the backup is better than him anyway. Mm-hmm. So it, that's life. But the Devils did the most important thing and they didn't really wait. They didn't make a big announcement. They didn't have a press conference. They just did it now. Now, of course, this means Blackwood has to perform because if Blackwood doesn't perform, we're back to square one. Mm-hmm. Then you're testing the market for goalies and a potential trade and free agency and that's a nightmare yeah, that no people, one wants to deal with. Yeah, or worse, demanding that the Devils get a high draft pick and drafting Yaroslav Askarov and hoping and praying he really is the Russian carry price. Which, yeah, if it works, great, good job. But uh, there's a reason why goalies don't get drafted in the top ten anymore. Right, and th- how many first-round goalies are even in the league right now? Not many. Not many. It's something that I mean, you Schneider's, can... Well, I mean, Schneider was one of them. Price is obviously one of them, mm-hmm. but... You know, Black is, Blackwood certainly wasn't. I mean, you got Samsonov playing for the Capitals, for example. But again, it's the kind of thing where you can theoretically find a goalie and develop a goalie if you have the staff for it at any position in the draft. You can find these guys, these goalies, and load up your system with them, but it kind of means nothing if you don't develop them the right way. And granted, the Devils weren't in charge of Schneider's development, but injuries kind of derailed his whole deal in New Jersey and also the fact that he basically had to play in front of or behind an AHL team for a couple of years but all that being said it's not something that I feel that they should be using draft capital on because they have more needs to address but exactly if they have to use that that's not an ideal situation that means that Blackwood who they took in the second round has not panned out which is already in my opinion a pretty high pick for a goaltender exactly so Welcome to dealing with goaltenders. Yeah. What do you think Roland Melanson is doing? Well, this is this is like the Jets drafting Hackenberg, right? They they took a quarterback in the second round only to basically bury him and not let him play. And all of a sudden, when they did let him play, he wasn't good enough. And wow, who who knew that you shouldn't take this specific guy in the second round? But you can find these guys anywhere. You can find a goalie that can develop into something good anywhere. I, I, I firmly believe that. Okay, well, we shall see if the Devils can be, or more importantly, can find someone to develop. And hopefully they don't need to because Blackwood uh, pans out and everyone's happy and everything's good. Right. It's easier to find a number two than a number one. Well, exactly. That's a good life lessons, folks. Yes. (laughs) So that takes care of the comments from Twitter. So I thank all the uh, individuals, the aforementioned... Meshuga about sugar, Earth One Gary, Terracum Mutz, and thankfully Vinny Kanichi. Th- thank you, Vinny, for keeping it real. At least I think it's keeping it real. It's the internet. Who knows if these names are real? <laughs> Dan, is that really a real name? Well, you're just going to have to trust me on this one. Okay. <laughs> I guess I. Um, all, right. all right. So thank you for all your questions, as John said. We, we appreciate you guys listening along and i know people have a lot of opinions about the hall stuff they have a lot of opinions about the goalie stuff my hope is that they use that three and two road trip which is something that we did not have forecasted for them going into it as a spring point um for this run of games which as we discussed is pretty light is pretty friendly to them from a scheduling perspective a matchup perspective it's something that they need to take advantage of. And then who knows, maybe the hall stuff will fall into place after that. Maybe we won't be worried about a goalie after this next stretch, but that's all talk for the future. For now, we can celebrate the fact that they went three and two on what has historically been their worst road trip of the year. They found a way to exercise whatever demons they have against Winnipeg and they continue to pound the Canucks into the sand. So that's you know the funny thing about that vancouver game dan is that about a week or so earlier ray ferraro you know ray ferraro Mm -hmm. you know longtime hockey player hockey pundit went on canada radio tsn 1050 i think in vancouver or 1040 one of the two Mm -hmm. and said that as of right now it looks like vancouver's the best team in canada yeah four losses in a row right after that (laughs) fourth one to the devils that's usually how it goes right yep thankfully thankfully we do not have to worry about that here in New Jersey or here on Garden State of Hockey. Yeah. Because I ain't predicting this team to be the best team in, in, the, in the country. Yeah. No one is overrating the Devils here. <laughs> no. 
No, but but they got to focus ahead on the three games coming up. Again, they got three games and four nights. So those of you who don't want to see Corey Schneider ever again, well, too bad. You're going to. Because it would be actually remarkably irresponsible to play Mackenzie Blackwood in all three of these games. They've got Ottawa on Wednesday. They need to beat Ottawa. They got Friday at home against Pittsburgh. You'd like them to win that one because it's home, it's Pittsburgh. And because Saturday night is always a very tricky game, a game in Montreal. Mm Mm-hmm. And that, you know, road game, Montreal is a good team this year, but a home game and Montreal at home. Eh, well, they're five and three right now. So it's not, un, it's not Fort never lose, but it ain't going to be easy. Mm-hmm. So go get yourself some points in the ne- in the coming days, Devils, because after then you got the Boston, you got Pittsburgh again, and then you got a run of running games into Thanksgiving. So go get, go get yourself some points. Because you need them. You need them badly. And to our listeners, get yourselves a beverage as you prepare for the rest of the season. And please drink responsibly, despite what the record the Devils have. Um, We're hoping to turn things around, and we're hoping those could be celebratory instead of done to negate the sadness. So, that's been our time for this super-packed episode of Garden State of Hockey. We've had... Some recaps, some Taylor Hall talk, and I'm guessing that's what will be on the horizon for the next couple weeks at least. But hopefully we're doing it from a perspective of, well, maybe he wants to resign here. And that's really all we can wish for. So thanks again for your time. Thanks again for joining us in these extremely long-winded breakdowns. But if you guys have any sort of opinions, like we said, we love hearing them. We love interacting with you guys. And we're looking forward to bringing you more of this as the year goes on. So... That's been our time here. Have a good day or night whenever you are listening to this. And let's go Devils. Go Devils.